Welcome to Beyond Trauma, a guide for your healing journey. This podcast is a project of Beyond Healing Media, where we value each person's humanity and what life experiences shaped you to be who you are. We, as the hosts of this podcast, seek to embody these ideas as we explore things like trauma, its impact on the body and mind, and even how it has shaped the way that we are in relationships. Trauma is not the end of our journey. So within this podcast, we will also discuss what it's like to heal, move forward, and grow as a human who has experienced pain. Hey guys, welcome back to Beyond Trauma Podcast. We're in studio today to talk about personality, which is kind of, um, I don't know, an exciting topic for us. And a lot of our theory comes, really looks at how do we develop as humans and how are our personalities developed in our understanding of the world around us. So we get to talk in detail about this, but what we really want to connect everybody with is just a, a broad understanding. And then how does this like relate to your life and how can you begin to explore more about your personality and utilize that information in a helpful way? I think, and this is, um, uh, just a subjective question for me, for the two of you, and kind of, I'd just love to explore this a little bit as well, but personality assessments are kind of a cliche, you know, like what's your, what's your type or what, yeah. are, what's your Enneagram? What's mm-hmm. your Myers-Briggs? Mm-hmm. What's your strengths? Um, I'm curious, even just subjectively of like what your feelings are of personality assessments, like culturally, do you think that it's good to send people personality assessments? Mm-hmm. Is that useful? Well, my personal favorite is the Harry Potter personality assessment on Facebook. That's, yes. That's the ideal. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, social media has so many of these out there where they just randomly right. assign you that's really right. a personality right. quality. Yeah. And that's why I think it's important to maybe start. There's gift-based yeah. assessments. Gift-based. You know, what what yep. gift describes you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Very yeah. insightful. I think it's developed over the years for me. Um, In grad school, it was like I was all gung-ho about it. Like everybody Mm. needed some type of personality assessment. Gotta know. And then coming just kind of almost at the extreme pulling out of that and saying like, how damaging is this really to just be like assigning these labels and how much of that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy of this is who I have to be because Mm. this is who, like how I've been identified. Um, And then I think you know, looping back around to like seeing the balance, like the pros and the cons, and if it's utilized well, mm-hmm. how helpful it can be. And I know, I mean, I'm sure the listeners have really heard us talk about the Enneagram a lot. And mm-hmm. we as a group talk about the Enneagram, which is an example of a personality assessment and just how helpful that has been for us and like mm-hmm. learning about each other yeah. and coming into like business with each other and just having a really concise way to identify like a category of experiences and like a cluster of traits we have these quick ways to reference them Mm -hmm. and then be able to relate and connect and have enjoyed that and so i think that one important distinction is between self-assessments and administered assessments Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. even relationally sort of congruent uh typing if that's what we're going to do um i don't really like the idea of here just take a self-assessment and then i'm going to treat you 
based on how that self-assessment comes out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think in this conversation, we'll get at why some of that's true. Mm-hmm. But self-assessments are really getting at the way you make sense of yourself in relation to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so sensitive to bias from yeah. what I think I should or what I normally do. Mm-hmm. But all of that is through is filtered through your concept of self. Yeah, and, and so, everything that factors into a concept of self. Which exactly. Is- a lot of different variables yeah Yeah. exactly so it's really um important i think to contextualize when we say personality assessments as being a you know really useful tool for uh healing and growth Mm -hmm. and self-discovery it can be um but i think my bend is always to say in the context of relationships Mm -hmm. like yes but not just for you to itemize what you are to yourself as you give feedback to this very kind of skewed right. uh, assessment like app or test or whatever it is. I think like what stands out in having lots of different conversations with people about personality assessment and like understanding what that information is for versus not for, mm. um, it reminds me a lot of conversations around medication for depression and anxiety. Mm. And to me, what that connection is, is when you're told by any kind of expert, whether it be a doctor or an assessment tool or a psychologist, et cetera, this is happening in you. You are this. In the same way that with depression, you can say, well, your serotonin levels are low. It's really easy to then come to this conclusion of, oh, I am depressed because my serotonin levels are low. Yeah. And that is not necessarily the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. What what is true is that there is a correlation between low serotonin and, and depressive experiences, but it's a chicken or egg yeah. issue. And to me, it's that same conversation around personality. And so if we take a personality assessment as prescriptive of who we are, then I think it can get problematic. Mm -hmm. But if we see it as descriptive of our current state and our current strategies in life, then it can be really useful Mm -hmm. and so illuminating. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think is, you know, as we go into talking more about personality and development, I think we'll find ways in which this can really support the healing process, which is kind of what we've been talking about of what does it mean to heal? And a huge piece of being able to heal is even having the self-awareness of where do the the wounds lie or where, mm-hmm. you know, where does the healing need to happen? And so this type of exploration of like learning about who am I? Who am I like today in my life? And where did this come from? Like why have I been shaped or have I developed to be this person? And then what areas of that are really like posing to be problematic in my Mm -hmm. life or causing Mm -hmm. me more pain or distress or struggle. Right. And how do I begin to explore that and look at healing? So that's my hope for this topic is that it connects us back with the healing process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of my hopes in this, even just conversation starting is, you know, what makes a good one? What makes a good, um, whether it be just a personality test or some type of self-assessment, what, what parts of that really do factor into it being a useful tool mm-hmm. for you in your relational context and what ones may just be, 
you know, maybe not as helpful. Um, we're not going to go through like all the major mm-hmm. <laughs> personality assessments and say, this one's good. This one's not good. Unless but, you guys want that. Yeah, <laughs> Let us know. Which, then we could, we, we can give have, our yeah, opinion. We now <laughs> have the opportunity to hear from you. So if you're wanting us to review one, I guess, yeah, let yeah. us know. But mm-hmm. yeah, just my subjective desire is really just to hear from us what we think is a, a good practice or a good mm-hmm. way of using um, personality tests or self-assessments to really aid in our kind of journey and self-discovery mm-hmm. and, and growth. Yeah. So where do we start with development of self and understanding of others? I think we've talked about it some mm-hmm. in our last season mm-hmm. um, as we went through like, yeah, just learning about how we are formed and shaped as humans, but there's so much to that mm-hmm. and how those experiences really shape us to be who we are. Mm-hmm. And Melissa, you made a, a great point earlier of like starting to weed between the difference of nature versus nurture mm-hmm. when it comes to personality development. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, there's always sort of this question of like, where where does my power lie in this whole conversation? Meaning how much of myself do I have the ability to change or not change? You know, we're aware just by looking around the world that we sort of come in with some basic set of ingredients (laughs) because we see those patterns in our family and we see um, other families interacting and we can see these traits and how they're passed down and developed, et cetera. And also we feel it in other areas of our organism, such as more biological or medical things, Mm. right? And so we have this question around what portion of me is predetermined versus what portion of my selfhood can be decided? Do I have power and uh, the ability to change? And I think our interest in personality assessment is really connected to that interest in where do I have power to actually make some change in my own experience of myself in my life. And so to me, when I think about that question of nature and nurture, it's more about understanding like how genetics and experience actually interact with each other. And it's not as black and white Mm -hmm. as a lot of us were originally led to believe. It is not a one or the other. Um, They are in constant reciprocal communication Mm -hmm. with each other. Our genetics change over the span of our lifetime. You do not have the same genetic code um, the day you die that you did the day that you were born. Our genes adapt, and that's a really good thing, by the way. Yeah, that's (laughs) the hope. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, yes, it can cause things like mutations and cancerous cells. And, you know, that's our DNA having some struggles and um, going in a direction that's unhelpful. But the opposite is also true, that our, our genes can change in more adaptive ways. And I think understanding that genetics is not a fixed thing. I think a lot of us, um, when we're first exposed to the idea of nature and genetics and heredity and all of that, there's sort of this feeling of, well, you're handed this set of cards and that's what you're going to have forever, Yeah. right? And that's just not a neurobiological reality, which I think is great news. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we've said on here before that it's not nature versus nurture or or nurture. It is and, right? Mm-hmm. It is nature and nurture uh, interact with each other for the entirety of our lives to produce the very unique combination of things that becomes an organism and a human being. Yeah. I think the piece that's been so illuminating to me and is just so profound is even the nature aspects of it. Mm-hmm. 
are this generational passing down of genetics that are also influenced by the nurture Mm -hmm. of the generation and the culture and the Mm -hmm. society. And so it it really is like, even if we can come back to a specific like genetic component Mm -hmm. that has come from generation to generation has been shaped and through environment and attachment and relationship. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. it is always nature and nurture, this combination of two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the ideas that is so interesting to me about personality that our conversation kind of just really helps bring some light to is that we're not born with a personality, that it's built over time. And I'm really curious for you two as parents, what it's like to watch personality emerge and change in your children. Terrifying because you're quite sure that it's all your fault. (laughs) And you see yourself. Oh my gosh, yeah. Aspects of yourself. Uh, It's just like looking in a mirror of like seeing pieces that you didn't even know were yours, but then you see them and you recognize them and you're like, oh. Yeah. Like last last night I had a conversation with Breland. Oh my gosh. Who is a mini version of you in so many ways. And then this conversation was so, (laughs) I just sat there with like deer in the headlights, eyes wide open, like, oh my gosh. But she was talking about some friendship things happening at school. And she was just like, you know, mom, I just really like all my friends to be really happy. And I just really want to be whatever they need me to be. Oh, yikes. (laughs) Yes. And then she looked at me, she goes, is that bad? Should I not do that? Is that bad? Is that okay? And so I'm just like kind of nodding, like asking more questions. Take a breath. I don't know how to tell you that what I do is yes. bad. No, no, just, just wait. She goes, you know, it's just like if they're sad, I just want to know, do you want me to just listen or help you solve the problem or just be silly and funny? Like, what do you need when you're feeling She'll this? Just tell me what you need right And she now. goes, you know, it's kind of like you. It's exactly what you do, mom. I was like, oh. oh. My gosh. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I could tell a very similar story, except it, the content would not be about being really nice to our friends. <laughs> that is not the, the focal point of the conversation. It's more like, so why can I not always have exactly what I want? Like, like explain to me why I don't get what I want all the time. Well, kid, when I figure that out, I'll let you know. Yeah, that's how that goes in my house. That's how that goes. <laughs> We're on this journey together. Yeah, okay. really. <laughs> That's amazing. So, but the way she could so explicitly identify it. it. Well, yeah. you know what? It's just like it's you. It's just like you. <laughs> it was like, I, I identified it as I'm hearing her explain it. But then to hear that she yeah. recognized, Did like, you just, like I'm mimicking. Send her to her room after that? No, <laughs> we she's were like, in her room. You. I was just like, yeah, it is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you got me, kid. Yeah. And we, we talked about some other like yeah. adaptive pieces of that that I probably needed to hear for myself, really. Yeah. Um, I think that that gets at a much more nuanced view of personality. Mm-hmm. Because to me, that's one of the reasons I don't like these self-assessments is because whenever you create a measure to do anything, you inherently limit the potential of what can show up on the results of mm-hmm. that measure. Mm-hmm. Like you have to. Mm-hmm. The scientific method is about getting it down to the simplest number. Yeah. Which variables are you looking at? Exactly. Yeah. So. To me, that's why I like to discover a personality and contextualize an assessment relationally. Mm-hmm. Because those types of things, if you were to give Breland the Myers-Briggs or even a Enneagram test for her to take right now, it would likely just come up with those dilemmas of, oh, is that bad? Oh, oh is no, that? It would be what she thought 
whoever was giving the test needed it to. It would be yes. that strategy yeah. applied to the assessment. Yeah, mm -hmm. and there's lots of different scientific language um, within statistics about the types of biases that that makes you mm -hmm. so vulnerable to that self-assessments, especially when they're about something that has any potentially shame-filled mm. material, yeah. your, your self is built in a way that is averse to those types of mm -hmm. disclosures. Mm -hmm. So you will camouflage it. Um, and that's just a very natural human thing. So to me, when you start adding in elements like body quirks or postures or little mannerisms, um, ways of even like shaping the face and then using your tone of voice, your cadence of how you're putting your yeah. speech together, the thoughts that you choose to share versus the thoughts you definitely don't share, all of that in my kind of perspective should be factored in yeah. to what we're to, what we're calling personality but that is very hard to assess it's very measure. difficult mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah let's say like a a variety of different ways of assessing coming into one to write a more like detailed story mm -hmm. to me that includes self-assessment the thing i do like about self-assessment is to be able to look at that and say why did they respond in this way mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. what what was the the feeling or what is the part of like their strategies that would kind of guide them into responding to these mm -hmm. answers in this way and so it's mm -hmm. another like source of information but it can't be you know looked at alone in isolation it's got to be with this other like you know just a culmination of different mm -hmm. assessment tools that are you know people who you know and are close to you people who are more distant and just kind of see you in different ways so bringing that all together to tell a more full story of who yeah. a person is mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. i in i'm thinking a lot about the enneagram um that's just my most favorite thing <laughs> in the personality <laughs> world. Um, I've had the opportunity to teach it um, for a number of years now. And in those groups, it's so interesting to watch people evolve from what they self-tested as mm -hmm. into what fits yeah. in a group context with people who like you're kind of trusting to help you discover it. Yeah. And when I was in my practicum experience at the university, that was a lot of the groups that I got to lead was helping people discover their Enneagram. And, you know, just anecdotally, it felt like half or maybe a little bit more than half of the time, they were not by the end of the group, what they self-tested as mm -hmm. at, the, at the beginning. Um, they discovered that through this reflection process that really they were kind of trying to make themselves out to be something that didn't really align with who they were right. when they self-tested. Mm -hmm. And that to me just gets again at the validation of we are so contextually dependent. Mm -hmm. we, we can morph and shape shift depending on the environments that we're in. And that's not good or bad, but mm -hmm. when we lose track of it, mm -hmm. that's really where I see self-assessments to be kind of indicating we're kind of going down a road that's maybe reciprocally like perpetuating yeah. our sense of threat yeah. in our environment or mm -hmm. our dysregulation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that when personality assessment is used as a mirror to self-observe my current strategy, they're incredibly useful. Mm. I think to me, that's very different than saying this is who I am. Mm -hmm. um, but understanding the strategy, the the ways that we have 
cultivated in ourselves to deal with the challenges of life, like that's tremendously useful because we're not all the same in that. We have incredibly unique and divergent strategies, even faced with the same challenges. And so in relational context, like knowing the the ways that each person has figured out how to uh, feel safe, how to feel worthy, how to feel wanted, how to feel interesting, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, how to feel validated in a social situation. Like personality assessment can be a mirror to us to say, hey, this is how you've learned to survive and relate to other human beings. Um, Where I think that the danger can come in is then we can turn that into this is who I am. Uh And this is who I will always be. And there's a, a tendency towards determinism and fatalism in that. And so I think as long as we understand it as this mirror of current strategy, we can look in those mirrors and learn a ton. Uh And doing that in a relational context, I think, is sort of like having somebody stand next to you and look at the parts of you that you can't see well Uh um, and say, this is what I see. And we get a much fuller picture when we do it that way. Uh It's a great way to describe it, that Mm -hmm. imagery of someone else describing the parts of you that you necessarily mm-hmm. can't see mm-hmm. like what does that mole on my back look like mm-hmm. yeah, i can try to look at it but i'm yeah. never really going to get a good look you just do like a half mirror <laughs> that's right like, is that... that's right <laughs> is that a shadow is, is that even the one you're talking about yeah, i don't know <laughs> yeah i'm curious this is a, a thought like a genuine question that came up for me is like difference between temperament and personality mm-hmm. and i think what sparked this is looking at that nature nurture piece of personality mm-hmm. and i remember learning in graduate school like well you're born with your temperament. Mm -hmm. That's something you're born with. And personality is something that's like formed and shaped over time. And I just like reflecting back, I haven't thought of that, you know, that statement from grad school in a really long time. And then just looking at where I'm at in my own professional understanding of, you know, uh, personality development and what what comes up for you guys with that Mm -hmm. idea of temperament versus personality. I just immediately think about infants. And the amount of personality that they are, you know, the, the unique identities that they show up with almost immediately, um, even in the womb, not every baby, you know, does exactly the same thing or has mm-hmm. the same amount of energy. And so I think that I'm kind of drawn to that question of temperament and, and those basic ingredients of this little human, um, we do come in with certain tendencies and set points and, um, I, I kind of imagine that as the the neuron connections that are naturally there, not that others couldn't ever be there, but we come in with mm. a certain tendency to go in a certain direction yeah. because of genetics and lots of different so factors. Do we, does it feel like that, though, comes from the nature-nurture soup of generations before and Absolutely. even like the yeah. in utero development yes. mm-hmm. and like all of that it's still Everything. the same nature nurture combination we never exist without describing. an environment yeah you know like the the minute that we exist we are in an environment the the womb is still incredibly environmental the mm-hmm. amount of stress you know what's happening in mom's body does mom sit still all day or does she you know walk around all day long even mm-hmm. that is an environmental yeah. factor does she sing or is she silent you know <laughs> all of those environmental factors are still uh, doing things in utero and so i don't think we're ever without an environment to be interacting with mm-hmm. with um the research side of things, temperament is has been a buzzword multiple times throughout the series of kind of personality assessments or personality um, 
researched uh, inquiries and temperament, one of the ways that kind of helps me understand what the distinction some people get at is like agreeable versus disagreeable Mm. Um, in your temperament what are you moving away from um, are you moving towards and in those approaches are they filled with activation to avoid threat and you know kind of run away or is it more so i'm going to go towards to meet the threat Mm -hmm. or do i seek out sort of naturally just other resources Mm -hmm. um, to help meet kind of the needs that I'm experiencing. And then personality would be the strategies that you use while in motion Mm -hmm. through your temperament. So that's one of the ways to kind of help contextualize the two. But when I feel like that, when we talk about personality, we're, we're circling both Mm -hmm. and saying, yes, it's how you respond to stimuli for sure. Mm -hmm. How you make sense of that. Absolutely. But then as you go about the strategy selection process and implementation, how do you do that? Like what's actually happening in the in-between spaces between, you know, I detect the threat. I assess my resources. I find that I'm still needing more. Mm -hmm. And so I need to go out and do something or run away and then you implement that strategy, how do you make sense of what happened? Mm-hmm. All of that is personality. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Yeah. I think it leaves, yeah, it just leaves me in that exploration of, um, it used to be so easy to think like, well, you're just born this way, <laughs> or mm-hmm. I just got unlucky and I just got a baby that doesn't sleep at night, or, mm-hmm. you know, like this concept and idea that you're just kind of like dropped into the world in this certain way. And I just continue to stay fascinated about how, as I mentioned earlier, like generation after generation is passing along the genetics to kind of form and create the potential for this human as they come into the world and how that's going to be influenced by the environment. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this will be disheartening to the room or to the listener. I don't mean it to be. (laughs) But at this point in all of my studies and, and all of the work that we've been doing, I really believe that there's there is no chance with neurobiology. Mm-hmm. It's all gene expression contingent on environmental change, mm-hmm. and so that statement of oh, I just got unlucky. I got a baby that doesn't sleep. That to me could be an easy story, like mm-hmm. much easier than the reality that well, actually, <laughs> you can trace where some of this started. Right. Yeah. Um, but that might be really hard to look at. So maybe the story is easier than the reality. Mm-hmm. But when I, I think that that has to be nuanced with that isn't necessarily a a fault. Right. Yeah. I was going to say anyone. that's the hope of yeah. in those stories. It's the avoidance mm-hmm. of feeling the shame or the responsibility mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. which as parents, we already struggle with this enough of like, did I do something wrong? Should I have done something different? What if right. I had done this? Right. And that like, yeah. there's like relief in just saying like, well, mm-hmm. maybe next, the next one won't be just so fussy. Roll the like, dice. <laughs> <right? laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think especially as parents, but even kind of in our processing of our own personality and strategy makeup, we always have to remember that there's a darn good reason why we develop the strategies that we do. And they are by and large protective to us. Like, even though there's certain strategies that have some pretty obvious downsides, (laughs) um, and some that have some pretty obvious upsides, like, well, that one looks nicer or easier Mm. or more gentle on themselves and everyone around them. Um, there, there is still, uh, 
always a reason why that developed. And there is even a, um, a strength in some of those more challenging qualities. So like, I've thought about this a lot in regards to Honora and her intensity of mm-hmm. personality and her fighting spirit and her dedication to fighting literally everything in her life at all times. <laughs> um, but that's also what kept her alive when she was born. Right. The fact that, you know, she's three weeks old and the doctor says, no, Honora is just an angry baby. <laughs> and she's just mad about this situation because, mm-hmm. you know, she couldn't be held and she's stuck by herself in this, you know, hospital bed with tubes everywhere. And so the very thing that like, oh my gosh, is so challenging now was exactly what kept her alive. And so um, understanding that like, it's never about, is this good or bad? Is this right or wrong? It's simply a matter of why did we need this? And the, the work of it and the self-reflective process, and as a parent, uh, the question that we can ask is, is this still needed? Mm-hmm. If the answer is yes, then we're going to have a really hard time changing it. Mm-hmm. You know, if our kid still needs that tendency in order to survive their environment, they're going to keep right on doing it. And so are we. Mm-hmm. Um, and so looking at how can we create safer lives for both ourselves and our children so that some of those more problematic strategies are not as needed is so much more gentle and effective, which is a nice combination, than feeling shame about the natural ways that I'm showing up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think as parents knowing, in like Breland's example, her picking up on that strategy for me is me employing the strategy that I've got. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's how I know how to navigate the world, mm-hmm. right? And so it's as parents, we're doing the best that we can with what we have. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's all we really can do. And then as that comes into our awareness, we can explore that more. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, as, as you see it in kids, it prompts so much of your own like yeah. self-exploration mm-hmm. and healing. Mm-hmm. But we're doing the best we can with what we have at all points. Yeah. And every life. strategy yeah. has limitations. Mm-hmm. There is no, you know, that line Perfect of reasoning. Yeah, yeah, there's no, you know, that line of reasoning of, um, you know, d- could I have done something different? Mm-hmm. Could I have prevented this? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe you could have prevented this, but it would have come up somewhere else as well right. because right. we're such fragile creatures mm-hmm. as human beings. And in Breland asking you, you know, is that bad? Mm-hmm. No, it's not mm-hmm. good either. Mm-hmm. It's neither. But, but I think, Bridger, in that moment, there are a lot of families where the child would be told, this is the right way yeah, to do absolutely. it. absolutely. Right? Making sure that your friends are always taken care of. That's a good thing. Being yeah. loyal, being thoughtful, being kind. These well, are I've the- Well, I've praised all of those <laughs> <laughs> Like Because it's my own strategy. Right. When I see her, I'm right. like, oh, you're such a sweet you're friend. You're so thoughtful. And, and, yes. <laughs> And so, she can feel how proud oh, you yeah. are. Absolutely. Mom seems to no like it when doubt. I think of other people before right. myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, so to like, maybe that's the right way to be. To mm-hmm. get to like speak to her. And like I said, everything I said to her last night was what I needed to hear yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Because it's like this mirror right in front yes. of you. And to get to say like, that is okay. Mm-hmm. But there's it's also okay to like check in with what you want and what you need and what your feelings mm-hmm. are and to express mm-hmm. those things as well. And like, I'm like, oh man, <laughs> I should listen to what I'm saying more often. Now we have a podcast where you can. <laughs> yeah, where you get to I say it all over again. Process right here with all of our lovely audience. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I am, speaking of, oh. Well, I was going to ask you guys a question of when you feel like in, you know, historically, when you encountered a personality assessment that felt like a really good mirror to you, that when you read that, you know, description, everything in your body went, 
Well, that's <laughs> real. <laughs> right. How do you feel like that has influenced the way that you process uh, your own, you know, relationships, experiences, tendencies? Like, how does a good personality assessment change things for us? I feel like that is the full episode. Like, we need to do another yeah. talk because I just need to be able to lay some groundwork with like the Enneagram. <laughs> well, what, um, what's your short answer? We'll do a full one. It's so changed everything. You know, my strategies are built around not noticing any of my needs, making myself as small as possible, unless the situation needs me to be big or mm -hmm. needs me to be, you know, up and loud and in front, then I can do that. But mainly I just help other people and I'm a two on the Enneagram. Um, and so if I go without noticing some of the cost of that strategy, then I'll find myself in this completely rundown um, exhausted place, mm -hmm. having never taken the time to notice how depleted I was getting. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, my relationships are terrible because I've, I'm not authentic in them when I'm just mm -hmm. helping the other. Mm -hmm. I'm just propping up this codependence that says, oh, here, you exist completely mm -hmm. like in my mind as the person that I need to support. So I will dump everything. I will drop mm -hmm. everything. I'll always be there for you. I will, you know, money is no object. Like we're just going to help you find the support that you need. I'm not seen in that relationship at all. No. And so my relationships are in a really rough place. I'm exhausted. And because of how beautifully robust the Enneagram is, it helps me understand when I'm going into my stress paths and using my other strategies <laughs> um, to take back the boundaries that I gave away. Mm -hmm. And so in going into my eight, then um, it comes out as frustration and it comes out as anger mm -hmm. and resentment, mm -hmm. um, which isn't fair to anybody. But if I didn't have the Enneagram, it'd be really, really hard for me to make sense, to make of, that. sense of that. Yeah. And to talk about it so like concisely like yeah. the way you just described I know, like those things as you say like a two and an eight i'm like i know exactly well, yeah, what you're, you're referencing also, yeah. <laughs> well, yes. mm -hmm. yeah. speaking um, of mirrors yeah. yes. but then also like for me the the health path into four mm -hmm. is how i can prioritize what i do need to be spending my time on mm -hmm. um in finding ways that i can be creative i can also then assess my kind of introversion and use other elements of personality to help really specialize and individualize my life mm -hmm. for me, mm -hmm. which has just been so wonderful and disconfirming at the same time. Mm -hmm. So there's a part of me that's hesitant to do this, but I think we just do, I'd like to propose a whole episode or maybe a couple on Enneagram. My hesitancy is in, it's so cliche and it's so out there <laughs> everywhere that yeah. it's like, Really, we, we beyond trauma. We kind of like to go against yeah. the grain here. <laughs> beyond trauma is doing something in the Enneagram. Great. Uh, right. But uh, I think that it would feel different than yeah. a lot of the content mm -hmm. I've heard about it. Mm -hmm. and, and just looking at it through the lenses of like neurobiology and like all the things that we're, we talk about on this podcast, connecting that with something like the Enneagram mm -hmm. feels like it'd be fun to do. Super mm -hmm. fun and very honoring, I think, too the three of us how as we well because that's mm -hmm. part of our normal life yeah. yeah yeah so yeah. let's let's do that I, I'm in. I like that idea i think the the unique spin that we could offer is enneagram through a trauma-informed lens mm -hmm. because talk about relevant mm -hmm. and, and real it is the way that we make sense of why we all show up the way that we do so yeah. 
I would love to do that. That sounds fun. Yeah. Okay. Well, be watching for it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we're don't forget this season is so wrapped around um, you as the listener um, participating in uh, helping us curate the season. And so I think in our next episode, we're going to start um, a little bit of listener kind of feedback mm -hmm. and walk through some questions or some examples. And so uh, you can always, uh, you know, send that into our Instagram or our Facebook um, or even just to our, our email um, at therapy at beyondhealingcenter.com. Mm -hmm. And we uh, have people devoted to kind of helping us cipher through <laughs> all of that information. And so um, that can be a way that you get your kind of feedback in there and, and help us to uh, make this content really meaningful uh, to you all. Yeah. Yep. All right, okay. guys. Safe journeys, everyone. We hope that you've enjoyed this podcast episode and that it will aid you in your healing journey. If you are feeling inspired by something that you heard today and desire to seek out your own therapy, we would encourage you to do so and would be honored to support you in finding a therapist that is the right fit for you. You can contact us by emailing therapy at beyondhealingcenter.com. If you want to stay connected, please subscribe to this podcast for more episodes, leave us a review, and follow us on social media by searching Beyond Trauma Podcast. This podcast is a project of Beyond Healing Media, a media creation group committed to creativity, community, and embracing the beauty of being human. If you like this podcast, you might also like the other podcasts of Beyond Healing Media. Notice That is an EMDR podcast hosted by EMDR-approved consultants and trainers who use EMDR in their practice. The Burnout Educator is an interview-style podcast that invites stories from people across the spectrum of the educational system and seeks to see the human inside the role they play. It is our desire that you see parts of your story and those around you in the stories you hear. The Evidence-Based Therapist is an educational podcast where we read so you don't have to. On this podcast, we discuss seminal, recent, and relevant research on psychotherapeutics and the embodied relational sciences. How do we know what is evidence-based and how do we use it in our practice? You'll find out on the EBT podcast.